Welcome back to the Be Ahead podcast by Train Red. My name is Kim Terstegen. I'm part of the Train Red team and I'm host of this podcast. I'm a sports enthusiast. I started my fitness journey after losing a lot of weight and I got very interested in fitness and health. I'm also a content creator. You can find me at Kim Terstegen across all platforms and I also have my very own podcast. I'm here with my co-host Jeroen. Hi, my name is uh, Jeroen Molinger. I'm lead clinical exercise physiologist at Duke at the Human Pharmacology and Physiology Lab, research program director of the lab and also research program director of Duke Heart Transmetrology in the cath lab. My main focus in the research we do here at Duke is all related to assessing muscle physiology and cardiorespiratory function. We all like the feeling of being fit and healthy, but what does being fit actually mean? How is it defined and how is it measured? And most of all, how can you improve your fitness level? In this episode, we will discuss this topic based on VO2 max. Oxygen consumption says a lot about health, but it can also be used to determine how fit you are. Besides, it can also help you find limiting factors in your body. We talk about how to use all of this information and how to improve your performance based on it. Lastly, we talk about the usage of muscle oxygen sensors like train rep fire and their best practices. So Jeroen, can you tell me a little bit more about what does being fit actually mean and how is it measured? Thank you, Grim, for this. Uh, I think one of the most important questions you uh, you can ask in regarding the use of the technology of train red. I think we need to have a better understanding and kind of a deep down insight in, in what really fitness or health means. We know that the golden standard metric of uh, overall fitness is VO2 and VO2 max in specific. And VO2 max is a, um, a metric that defines the um, your ability to consume oxygen. Uh, and when you're looking at that specific number, it's kind of intriguing to know that that number itself is an independent predictor of all-cause mortality and mobility that makes you less vulnerable for getting illnesses like cardiovascular diseases, diabetes. But this metric is also being utilized very well in the athletes world, right? So that's kind of how it started off with. Um, because this is a metrical performance. It's the way of assessing performance of, a, of an athlete in how their muscles, how their lungs, how their heart, all integratively work together. And which one of those systems is, is limiting in regard to their performance, which is essential to know because we know then if you have a limiting part in that whole cascade, what determines for you too, you are able to deep dive in that specific limitation and, and potentially can change it with uh, interventions like your training, uh, potentially maybe sleep, uh, sleep hygiene, uh, uh, or nutrition. That's very interesting. Thank you a lot for explaining that. So can you tell me a little bit more on how you can uh, do that VO2 assessment and how that actually works? Sure, sure. I think it's best to uh, to give a little bit of an insight in, in how the VO2 max is being determined. So here you see that the VO2 is the equation of cardiac output multiplied by the amount of oxygen consumption of the muscle. This is called the Fick equation. And the Fick equation is being used everywhere to determine the VO2, but also if you know two numbers of these, you can determine the third one. So what we currently will do here in our research, uh, research labs here at Duke, but also in the, uh, in the athlete field is that when you're measuring VO2 <clears throat> on the left side, uh, we use currently here the, the VO2 master as a mobile device, which easily can be used for as kind of a point of care metabolic card to have a direct measurement of your VO2 kinetics. 
And if you combine that with Fire of Train Red, you'll be having a better understanding in which limitations does this athlete have. So if you know those two numbers, you can always, always calculate the one in the middle, the cardiac output. So the V2 is defined by your delivery of oxygen from the heart to the tissue. That's the cardiac output. And the ability of the muscle, the tissue, to utilize and to consume oxygen on a peripheral level. And that's what we're measuring with the uh, with the nearest device. We can measuring the saturation, and what we're measuring is really uh, how active is this specific muscle doing an exercise in consuming oxygen. Okay, that's very interesting. So you can actually measure this. Train Red's muscle oxygen sensors can measure your consumption, but how do you actually use this data to improve your training or performance? Yeah, absolutely. But what we need to know is then if you do a protocolized exercise test on the bike, on a treadmill, or, or maybe even just in the field. If you know those metrics coming from this test, you know which was high, which was low, based on the slope where you see from a muscle that is working. Also a second sensor on the other place, currently not directly active in that specific uh, test. So for instance, if you will be like running or cycling, you will put one on your leg and then another on your arm. Exactly that. Yeah. And then we can compare those two and see how fast the utilization of oxygen is more uh, impaired on the level of the muscle instead on the level of the heart. And we also measure, of course, heart frequency already there. So we have then a better understanding how those kinetics go on, on the side of the heart and the side of the muscle, which then in, 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 uh, gives us the VO2 number. So not everyone has a VO2 master. So how do you actually measure without the VO2 master and only using train red? Can you still come to this number? Yeah, no, good question. I think everyone kind of struggles with that, right? Be able to to utilize this expensive uh, expensive equipment. Uh, yes, I think I think you can. We are we are here currently also working with Duke in to see not only are the performance of an athlete, but also military and uh, law enforcement. If you have a test done while you're still measuring VO2, which you can do one or two times a year, with the combination of the train red devices, that in itself will be giving you a kind of a model, kind of a calibration model, and you know what the VO2 would be if you do the same test at home, not using the VO2 must itself, but still looking at the slopes of the of the NIST data, which then gives you more insight in if you are improving on your muscle level and that in turn will give you a higher view too. And the reason why is that, and that's kind of intriguing, that mostly what we see, only high athletes will have a different limitation, but most of the people will have a limitation on the uh, utilization of oxygen in the muscle. They are not limited by the view too, by the heart. And the more untrained you are, the less limited you are by the by the heart and the more limited you are by the muscle. So it's more straightforward to measuring it on the muscle level than measuring it on the heart level. So you're basically saying that not a lot of people can improve on their cardiac output, but they can really imp improve on the muscle part. Yeah, exactly. That will be the, f the first one that they will see adaptations on the, uh, on the muscle level. Yeah. And that makes then also the next step in now you know, uh, and how can you define your um, interventions like training? So you, you can define your zones pretty well based on your slopes and, and, and how far you go in specific intensity of exercise. And that will give you a more better guidance, titrate your training based on your real physiology of your muscle at that specific moment in time. Okay, so what would a test like look like? You would put on a sensor on an active muscle and a resting muscle and you just do your 
routine, right? And then you do have numbers immediately, but there's nothing you can do immediately. You would need to uh, do the test again, right? To see if you improved or where to yeah, make adjustments. So what would that look like? Is there any uh, advice on how you can do this best? Right. Um, that, that's, that's, I think, one of the things everyone struggles with in how can you make it a very easy way of assessing a athlete or any 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 uh, amateur sport or whatever, or even even an, uh, even a patient without going through the whole shabam of doing a exercise test in a, in, a, in a specific lab. What we currently do, or and what we already being uh, what we validated here at Duke is the usage of the six minute incremental step test. So there's a step test which you can do everywhere. Is stepping literally on the on the uh, on the place without having a step there, but really just stepping on the place with your knees high. And the incremental part is just the uh, the pace. So we start off with a specific pace and we increase by 30 seconds with five steps a minute. And that way you can have a very well-defined intensity increase. You're kind of ramping up in a very protocolized way. And when you're then still wearing that specific wearable like near sensor and you have your heart rate and you have the, a specific assessment already done with the view to master. So you, have a, you can do the same assessment only without the view to master itself everywhere. And then you can compare the slopes and your differences during your specific test to see if you gained or you increased your view too. That's the way, because if you want to do it on a bike, on a treadmill is always pretty hard because um, a lab has a very specific bike and a very specific protocol, which is always very hard to reproduce in a uh, uh, out of the lab into real life situation. Yeah, I understand. So if you want to have like the most perfect data, you need to do exactly the same. But is it also possible for people to do the same training every time and then still see improvement? Or is that very hard to see? No, no, I think you you can. And and and, and uh, not only from a, a, a exercise cardiovascular perspective, but also from a resistance exercise perspective. So if you do specific resistance exercises like uh, deadlifts or, um, uh, or squats, I think they can be beneficial for yourself just to see how fast you change doing a specific percentage of one repetition maximum to see if you really deep dive down in your saturation on that muscle. I think the term peak performance is kind of overrated. I would rather measuring it as an efficiency. So how efficient can you be? Can you still squat a specific number, the higher number of your muscle saturation? So your muscle has less issues in getting that specific power done instead of it's still very much in the low numbers, which shows that you're using your muscles very, very intensely. And it's, it's kind of coping with the specific demand of that muscle. So it's all about efficiency, even on the sports performance stuff. Uh, we really don't know that peak itself is such a good predictor of overall performance. It's more how efficient can you be and how efficient on the muscle level can you be when you do your exercises. What is also very interesting and what I personally like about Train Red, I am very much into fitness. So I do a lot of squatting, deadlifting, benching and stuff like that. It also helps me to see my muscle recover in between sets. So I can see how much oxygen is in my muscles and then I know when to start again, depending on my different goals. So I think it's also not only very interesting to measure how fit you are, but also to improve training overall to see how long you need to rest, if you need to rest more, need to rest less. Oh, I think I think you're hitting it right at the recovery itself is presumably even I think more important than the whole exercise because the recovery period gives you two specific insights. One insight is how fast did I recover and how was the slope of recovery, which is already a metric of performance. So you are kind of assessing your readiness, but also to have the ability to 
titrate your rest. You can, of course, go for the second one when you're completely rested, but you can also determine that you want to do a second one in the middle of your recovery, which you can do every time the same. So you have a far better understanding in how do you guide your exercises, your resistance, but also uh, sprints, which can be far better titrate your prevention, your training in yourself, because your recovery is kind of the way of uh, making it harder for the next one to come or make it less harder for the next one to come. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I feel like it's very interesting to not only like improve your overall fitness, but also it can help you a lot with how to train. Like there are specific numbers like rest 90 seconds in between sets stuff like that but it's very personal to like everyone and also your different goals and your specific body so it's very nice to see like how your muscles are actually working uh, yeah exactly absolutely absolutely and also even not only on a interpersonal level but also on an intrapersonal level so even within your training you will see your recovery will change uh, which you, which you don't know, and now you know because you have the numbers there. So you can you can choose your recovery wisely based on the goals that you are that you're pursuing that day. And I think a lot of people will be interested in like improving overall. So what do you like recommend? How often do you need to do this test? Can you do it every time? Do do you do you actually need to do it every single time? Is it like a once a month thing? What is your advice on that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think we're still finding out what, what is the best kind of time period to assess. But on the other side, the six minute step that's a, is a kind of a submaximal test if you just normally train, which again takes you only six minutes. So around 10 minutes with the baseline and, um, and the recovery period. I would advise just doing it every single week on a, on a very specific defined day and hour. So you can have a very good insight in your in your progression. And, and also just use the device during your training because it is also a way of just giving some feedback, right? It's not always doing a specific test. My approach is always that every single training is also an assessment. The training itself, how you respond on the muscle level, it should be always of interest for you to have a better understanding and how you feel and how you respond. So that gives you more knowledge about your own physiology and, 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 and use this metric because it's still a, for, for a, lot, a lot of folks here, uh, a metric that nobody really knows how muscle saturation and muscle oxygen consumption works. So you need to be educated on your, on, on your own part. You will see what you normally will do on your training and see what kind of numbers that gives you. Once a week would be ideal, let's say. I think a lot of people would like to train with it every single time, but I think there is a danger in people comparing every single training. So I think you do need to say like what you just said, if you do a specific, let's say chest day on Monday. I mean, it's international chest day, right? So if you do your chest day at like 10 a.m. in the morning, it's best to do that the next week again at the same time and do the same training to see if you improved. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And also currently looking into in what specific day or what specific period of the day are your uh, are you at your best? What kind of specific day, a specific period in the day do you respond the best or maybe respond the worst? So uh, are you more of a corner type of a um, uh, being early or being a little bit later? So now you can also see if that somehow changes or how adaptive your muscle will be. And also one thing I wanted to loop in, like we talked about training and also resting periods, but it's also very good to see your warming up because I think a lot of people either skip it or do it not long enough. And also with train red, you can see if your uh, muscles are getting more oxygen than before the warming up. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, absolutely right. I think the, the, the way of warming up is also, it was overrated and then again, underrated again, because we really didn't not know, we didn't have the real good metrics of biomarkers that defined that, that we are ready. Again, it's going back to the 
the whole approach of readiness and readiness is not being ready for for a, a game but also being ready for your specific training that that day and that that starts uh, getting out of bed but also that starts when you're preparing yourself for that specific squad moment you need to be ready on the muscle level and that this this way of assessing or using this data set will, will give you that insight okay so how do you see the utilization of wearable data in like athletes and sports people long term but also short term Right. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good question. Um, currently, we have a lot of variables. The variable space is uh, increasing really significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know, of course, the Fitbits, the Garmin's, uh, the Whoops, who are out there, who gives us tons of data from from recovery, sleep hygiene, the amount of steps, heart rates, and all. I think that's that's a good thing, but also mm-hmm. a, a, a thing that can actually be of uh, a struggle for people to really have an understanding about their own physiology. So I think what there needs to be done in a way of still knowing your physiology is having an app or a analytics on your phone that gives you the the easy numbers to understand instead of the high resolution data what we'll give you. That's one of our goals here at Duke, uh, here in our research, to have a dashboard, a dashing of your data on a day-by-day basis, which is easy to understand, easy to interpret, but also easy to use during your during your daily activities or your training or your recovery. That is still, I think, the steps that need to be taken because everyone uses this kind of this kind of variables constantly. Really don't utilize it, I think, at the most they can do. And it's everywhere. It's not only about patients or athletes using this data, even also physicians use this data. We here at Duke, of course, see a lot of patients. Uh, on the other side, I, uh, we also see some healthy volunteers and potentially also so, uh, some, some elite athletes. In real life, if there is a there is still a big chance you become from a client athlete to being patient, potentially, hopefully, becoming a client or athlete again. To have those data in hand, to have a better understanding about your baseline physiology and how you recover, I think is, is of the essence also in the near future for, for physicians mm-hmm. to understand uh, where you are from a recovery perspective, where you are from a health perspective. And even, but that's the long term in our current approach in health, measuring blood pressures, measuring heart rate, or measuring glucose levels in your blood. Still a kind of an old school approach. We're measuring an ad hoc metric in an ad hoc moment which we choose. We need to have a more longitudinal data set to understand that. The metrics like train rate, the metrics like VO2, I would I would think these metrics will be used even on a GP level, and just with your own doctor, your your uh, your family doctor, because this, this is a metric, this is a vital sign that gives you insight in your overall health. So that comes back to being fit again, like overall fitness health. So a little bit of a question. So I do have a Fitbit and I've been using that for, I don't know, a few years now. And it do gives me like a few insights, like how my sleep was. And then also I can put in my calorie intake and stuff like that. And then also during my training, I can see how much calories I burn. Again, all is like more of an estimate and like it shows a little bit about your body but i feel like for me really the, the difference between a fitbit and train red is that i can with train red i can actually look inside my muscles like it's not only about heart rate on how you can improve but also actually seeing what your muscles do so do you have any um insights on that on is there a difference between like a fitbit or a train red or, or a vo2 master right that that's always the fitbits and the garments are all based on optical data sets so light that that the skin train red the nears will be having a specific way things and go and goes much deeper in inside the, uh, the tissue to really get into the muscle itself where fitbit only measuring is measuring the assessing the dermis the upper upper layer of the skin 
when you can see the perfusion and the vascularization of uh, or the blood flow of that skin, and that gives you the heart rate uh, and potentially also your 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 heart variability numbers there. Yeah, I think I think it's an intriguing question in why is the that approach so different, potentially mm-hmm. maybe less efficient to use than 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 NIRS. I think what happened is currently that this technology of NIRS was always a very novel academic tool, which only a small portion of researchers understood and used. Yeah. So it doesn't become uh, available to the great masses and nobody really understood that. Right now with the, the fire from Trent coming in, this is a completely different ballgame. I think it's a more t- disruptive technology as we say that we use this technology that normally would cost us far more from a research perspective and now we can use it. So we are still I think on the start of educating people in how to use this data, how to use this metric. Yeah, because it's like still, well, not very hard to understand, but you have to put a lot of energy into understanding how it works, what data you're getting and how to actually use that to improve. Uh, Of course, we started off on fitness level and what being fit means, but I think we skipped over the part why it is so important to improve your fitness levels. I think we talked a little bit about it, but maybe we need a little bit more emphasis on it. Right, right. Now, it's, it's very straightforward. There is only one metric. If you really want to have a metric that defines health, and if you have a metric that defines health, also defines the probability of dying or the probability of having illnesses in your lifespan, mm-hmm. that's the VO2 number. And there are tons of data, tons of science there that shows that that specific number gives you the best insight in your potential risk, any illnesses or potential going to die. It's kind of yeah. weird to say how you're going to die, but that's the number that they, that they normally use also in the uh, in the epidemiology space. It's, it's also a modifiable metric. The modifiable metric is independent of age and gender. It doesn't matter how old you are, you can always change this specific metric with specific training. And if you increase this metric in a, in a certain amount, we are calling it METS, metabolic equivalence of tasks. If you only increase that with that specific number, you decrease your chance of dying in the rest of your life with 15%. Those numbers are huge because there is no medication. There is nothing there which can give you such amount of increase in your overall health. And that number will be not static. Your number will change. Uh, If you are very healthy, going for surgery, you will decline that number because there is a huge amount of stress on your system and the ability to perform will be less. But that will be a good method for you to do uh, rehabilitation and to measure that again. And also throughout your your training and potentially your training in a year, the number will change because there is tons of stuff that that can be of uh, uh, that has a confounding factor on your on your VO2 numbers itself. And that's good to know because it's not a static number which is there and will always stay there. Getting just your fitness level improved is not important only for athletes and sports enthusiasts, but also for everyone. It doesn't matter if you want to do sports every single day of your life, it's important regardless. Exactly, no, absolutely, yeah. Every single increase that you can have, even if you're 75 and up, that's the one you need to have. Yeah. Uh, and there is no, no reason not to modify it, not to change it for the best. Thank you, Jeroen, for being here with me and explaining all of this. Yeah, it was lovely having you. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward to the next uh, next podcast to come. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us across all social medias at train.red. We hope to see you here next time. And don't forget to follow this podcast so you don't miss out any of the next episodes. If you are interested in muscle oxygen sensors, the train red fire, go to our website, train.red. The link is also in the description.